0: Previously, on Little Bit Leave It. Hello everyone and welcome back to Little Bit Leave It, the podcast where we talk Love Island, UK, in the USA. My name is Ben and I am all by my lonesome self today. And that's because we had a little bit of a technical snafu. Which meant that we had to re-record a few episodes, so instead of a regular episode covering Season 6 of Love Island UK, today we have a combination of some unreleased content that you have not heard unless you are a Little Bit Leave It supporter on Patreon, which is something that you can do if you really love the podcast. So we've got some bonus content and we also have some content from deep, deep into the hour and a half long special episode we released way back in January. So we've discussed some interesting moves by the producers in series past. And we thought that was relevant given what is currently happening in season seven. And we don't want to spoil it for our American viewers who are watching on Hulu. And we've also got Beck and I taking tests saying which female Islander from season six we are. So we took some of those fun online personality tests and you get to hear the results. So I don't want to leave you in suspense anymore. So On with the show, and we will be back with a regular episode next week.
1: So we decided that we were going to do something completely ridiculous today. We had nothing of substance to talk about, so we're going to talk about something of no substance.
0: I don't know. I actually would argue that what we're about to talk about is very substantial, highly in demand. All of our listeners have been dying to know all of the emails we've been getting, which Love Islander, are we?
1: I mean, we've been talking both amongst each other and with guests about which Love Islander we feel like we are, but that's not scientific. And obviously, these quizzes that we found are much more scientific and are much more likely to give us an accurate answer.
0: Yeah, I'm assuming they were all developed by PhDs, uh, an interdisciplinary team of sociologists, cultural anthropologists, biologists. Who else?
1: Hey, remember the spark.com, right? That's what I was thinking, like those guys.
0: Yeah, well, we met on an algorithmically driven dating site created by the people who did the spark called OkCupid, which is now owned by Match.
1: We are dating ourselves now. Yeah. We are no longer dating each other. We are now dating ourselves.
0: Dating ourselves hey yo! The first quiz asked us which winter Love Island girl we were.
1: This is from thetab.com. If you Google Love Island quizzes or which Love Islander are you, you'll find it. Two of these are from thetab.com. So we are going to take the test on the air.
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: It's still called on the air if it's a podcast.
0: It's in the air.
1: Yeah, I was going to break into a number of different songs, but then I realized I don't know any of them, so.
0: I can feel it. Coming in the air tonight.
1: Yeah, that one. Hold on. That one. Okay. Yeah. So, Ben. Yes. Which Love Island girl are you? I don't know. Pick a boy to couple up with Mike, Connor, Callum, Nas, Finley, Connor with a G, or Luke T. Well,
0: I'm picking Nas, obviously. He has got all the sauce. Who are you picking?
1: I am going to pick, even though Callum is my hottest. I'm going to pick Luke T because you're going to spend a lot of time with this person and I feel like his cheeky, sassy, good time vibe is something I would enjoy having in my life. Okay,
0: that's understandable. That's understandable. Next question.
1: Ben, you fancy the newest bombshell. What do you do? Go on a date with him and hope he chooses you? Nothing. I'm happy with my man. Flirt with him all day and night. Tell your partner you're single and can do what you want. Ask the girls what to do. Or snog him and couple up with him?
0: Well, as much as the Cartman answer is very appealing, I'm going to say, I'm going to flirt day and night.
1: Okay, I would probably ask the girls. I don't want to step on anyone's toes if anyone is not coupled up and interested in him.
0: Oh, I am definitely not a girl's girl.
1: Okay, so then there's pick an outfit for the recoupling. And there's just like seven dresses. Ben, which one would you pick? Can you...
0: I'm going to pick the first one in the bottom row.
1: We're doing this on our phone and it's really hard to see. But from what I can tell, it's like a goldish...
0: It's very classy. I'm picking a very classy dress. It's
1: like a goldish bodycon with short, poofy sleeves. Not too high cut, not too low cut overall all classy and I'm going to pick I'm going to pick the light pink one with the long see-through sleeves what's an immediate turnoff for you and a boy being oversensitive arrogance being disrespectful if he's a bad listener being cringy or if he's shy
0: gosh those are all terrible I'm going to go with disrespectful though
1: I think I am going to go with cringy because that can encompass so many of those other issues okay pick a job Politician, singer, working in medicine, influencer, makeup artist, a company manager, and a model.
0: Oh, y'all know I'm going with singer.
1: Of course you are. Yeah. I think I'm kind of forced into company manager considering that's my other other day job. Okay, sure. Out of the following, who is your biggest celebrity crush? We had to Google a couple of these. Anthony Joshua.
0: Didn't know that one.
1: Who looks like Kana with a G, I guess. That's what the girls say. I'll take their word for it. Gerard Butler, Jack Fincham, I love that he's on there, Tom Hardy, or Christian Grey?
0: Yeah, the only ones I knew were Tom Hardy and Jack Fincham. And if I hadn't watched Love Island UK, I would have only known Tom Hardy. But I'm going with Jack Fincham, because why not?
1: And I'm going with Tom Hardy, because of course. Pick a girl from last year. Lucy, Molly Mae, Maura, Amber, Anna, or Amy?
0: Well, I think I'm probably picking this a little bit differently, but I'm going with Amber.
1: We all knew that was coming. I am gonna pick my girl Mora, even though I don't agree with some of her life choices. She's hilarious and sexy and raunchy.
0: Yeah, she was definitely my number two choice.
1: Okay, what's your perfect date? Drinks at a rooftop bar, a picnic in the sun, a nice dinner, takeaway into film, bowling, or a trip to the beach.
0: I think I'd clearly take away Nando's and have a film.
1: Where was that accent? I have
0: no idea. Accent. It's like. I'll get some Nando's and see a film with me, love.
1: Okay, Dick Van Dyke.
0: Right? That's like an Essex no, or, uh, yeah, that's an Essex East London type of thing, right? Yeah.
1: I would pick drinks on a rooftop bar. That's one of the things I miss about being in the city. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, I can see that.
1: Describe yourself in one word. Fun, unpredictable, sassy, kind, loud, or ruthless.
0: I'm going with loud.
1: Yeah, you are. I would go with sassy for myself. Okay, are you ready for your result, Ben?
0: I'm ready for my result.
1: You got Shawnees.
0: It figures. It's like poetic justice for me to get Shawnees, I think.
1: Well, here's a description. You're extremely sassy, and you love reminding everyone of it, too. You speak your mind and don't take any prisoners. People often find you annoying, but you don't care what they think anyway.
0: Wow. Remarkably accurate.
1: Some of that is. You want to talk about poetic justice?
0: Yeah, who did you get? Guess. Well, if I had to guess and we're talking poetic justice, you're clearly the worst Rebecca.
1: I am the worst Rebecca. Yep. You're ruthless, which I would never use to describe me. You came for one thing and one thing only. You're never afraid to step on people's toes and don't really care if it loses you friends along the way. You're sassy and extremely headstrong. And I don't think any of that is true except maybe the last sentence.
0: Okay, well, we'll just agree to disagree and move on.
1: I've had some of the same friends since I was two years old. That's not somebody who's willing to lose friends along the way.
0: I'm just kidding.
1: I know you're kidding, but I'm offended by this quiz.
0: So since you're offended, let's go get a second opinion. Let's find another quiz to tell us which female Love Islander from season six we really are.
1: So this one is more general. This one just says, which contestant on Love Island are you? So it is about season six, but the boys are included. Really? Yes. Okay. Let's start. What are you looking for in the Love Island villa? A bit of fun, I'll see when I get there, or love?
0: Love, obviously.
1: I can't hear you. Say it again.
0: Love, obviously.
1: Much better. My answer was, I'll see when I get there. How would your friends describe you? Always up for a laugh. I talk about my exes too much or a loyal friend.
0: As much as I would like to think that people think of me as a loyal friend, and they very well might, I can't have that high of opinion of myself. So I'm just going to say a bit of a laugh. I'm always up for a laugh.
1: Yeah, me too. First date. What do you do? Dinner and drinks. Cinema date. Netflix and chill. Go on Love Island. That's in caps. I'm not just shouting randomly.
0: What's a cinnamon date? What is that? Like, a what-
1: cinema date.
0: Oh, see, I was thinking just because they have all those weird food fetishes in the UK that maybe there is something called a cinnamon date. But anyway, just the dinner and drinks. That's where I'm going.
1: I said that as well. We're going to have the same answer. Which of these is a bit of you? I also like this quiz for using the British slang. Cheese toasties, Sean Paul, having a heart to heart or setting your pals up on
0: dates. Clearly it's cheese toasties, but isn't this one actually from a British website or an irish website yes yes
1: okay mine would be setting your pals up on dates okay i have done that in the past with mixed success but i always enjoy it would you ever cheat on your other half no okay so never i'm guessing yeah never so i wrote if the right so i picked if the right person came along holy fuck i just want to make it abundantly clear that you are not involved holy fuck That you were not involved in that decision. It was based on some of my prior bad behavior.
0: Oh, okay. So...
1: And how I think I would be on Love Island.
0: All right. Well, I guess I'll just have to keep my eyes on you now. Wow.
1: Yes, because my 39-year-old mom ass is going to go to the playground and scope out All of the hot hotties.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking. So I'm glad we're on the same page. Or
1: all the old men at Target at 830 in the morning.
0: Yep. I wouldn't be surprised.
1: I would. What do you fall for first? Looks or personality?
0: Personality.
1: Yeah, me too. I prefer to get to know someone first. Who is your favorite Islander this year? Shauna, Shaunice, Luke M, Finn, or Paige? Is Luke M anyone's favorite?
0: I don't even know. Maybe Lucy's.
1: Should have been Luke T. Okay, Shauna, Shaunice, Luke M., Finner Page.
0: That's tough because none of my favorite islanders from this season are actually listed there. So I'm just going to go with Shauna because she was my favorite islander the first watch. And in some ways, I still think she's a critically important character in the season. And even though I may not like her as much, I'm going with Shauna.
1: Okay, thank you for the doctoral thesis. Mine is Paige. How long do you think you'd last on Love Island? Quick exit, to be honest. Around halfway through, falling at the last hurdle, or all the way to the final?
0: Well, you know me. I'm going all the way to the final, baby.
1: Okay, I'm humble. I said about halfway through.
0: Okay, so my Islander this time is...
1: Shauna! You've got the whole nation behind you. Get em, girl.
0: All right. Nice.
1: All right. Are you ready for some shit?
0: I'm ready for some shit.
1: I got Callum, you sneaky, sneaky devil. And I feel like that's solely based on my saying that my head could be turned.
0: Well, and you left halfway through. But in any case, we have a lot of similar answers. Yeah, he does. He leaves. Well, I mean, not halfway through, but
1: aren't they the last
0: ones? Mike and Priscilla don't make the final, but they go on a final date. So they're the fifth couple. Maybe Callum and Molly were the ones to leave right before that.
1: I think Callum and Molly and Mike and Priscilla qualify for the last hurdle.
0: Okay. Yeah, they fell at the last hurdle.
1: Because they were both really strong couples. They were both stronger than Luke M and Demi.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: Who only got the pity vote.
0: Travesty. Injustice.
1: Who's Travis T? He's
0: from uh, season nine.
1: Back to sort of a macro view of yes. everything.
0: Yeah. I think one of the really interesting aspects of Love Island Kayfabe is what viewers know about the relationships between the contestants outside of the villa. So we find out at the start of season two, for instance, that Scott and Terry know each other from Ibiza and Slick Adam, as opposed to the main Adam from that season. Uh, slick Adam, the one who has slick back hair, right? Yeah, um, it was pretty obvious. Uh, so he and Scott go way back, apparently. Chloe and Kem have an awkward reunion, as do Montana and Jess in season three. Curtis famously tried to slip into Mora's DMs before the show. When you dig even deeper, you start to realize that some of the plucked cast, right, the scouted cast, while they might not really know each other personally, they do know of each other You know, as with Curtis and Mora. Now, Curtis, I believe, was agent-placed. Mora might have been also agent as well, I think. So let's focus on those two a little bit more. As Americans, unless you do your research before watching, and really, like, how likely are you going to look up the bios of the contestants before you watch, especially someone who's not even an original, um, you know, we didn't know that Curtis was already a minor celebrity in Ireland by the time he was on Love Island. So, Curtis was on the first two seasons of the Irish version of Dancing with the Stars, and he would have been on the third season if not for an injury, which, by the way, might have meant he never made it unto Love Island. But the point is that not only did he message Maura, she definitely knew who he was before the show. I think this puts Maura's revelation of her feelings for Curtis in a new light, and raises some real questions about how genuine they were. But, you know, I think what's actually more interesting is her reaction to the social media accusations that the feelings were fake. In the season five version of the game where they try to guess which Islander is the uh, subject of nasty tweets. Right. Remember that challenge? Oh, yeah. It comes out that a lot of people were ridiculing Mora for talking about Curtis as manly. Remember <laughs> that?
1: Yeah, that was pretty funny, actually, because if there's one thing he's not, it's stereotypically manly.
0: Right. So Mora pretends to be shocked and says she doesn't know what viewers are talking about. However, if you go back and watch Mora's beach confessional, it looks like she's trying her best to keep from laughing. Looking back, I actually think it's one of the only moments in the show, all six seasons I'm talking about, it's one of the only moments in the show where one of the contestants almost breaks kayfabe especially because if you were a viewer in the UK or Ireland at the time, you would have been in on it. You'd know that Maura is pretending to be confused about why people think her relationship with Curtis is fake and why the manly comment was mocked so much. Another obvious way the producers manipulate the show is with the order the contestants enter the villa, along with the surprise introductions of exes. There is an infamous thread on Reddit where someone claims to have been in the Love Island season two cast and they posted all kinds of behind the scenes secrets. So I don't think we should take this person at his or her word. And I do think it reads a bit like a guy who's writing it. I could be wrong, but that's what I think. This person, they do make some interesting claims that are at least worth discussing. He claims that all of the Islanders have met each other before the first episode and that producers get them together for two rounds of casting and observe how they interact with each other, first in a big group and then narrowed down to about 45 people who'll be the pool of contestants and alternates for that season. Uh, I think this is one of the more believable parts of his story, and I'd honestly be surprised if this wasn't somewhat true. The risks of bad casting on a show like this are just too great, I mean, look at season four, right? I don't think that was cast all that well. They can't risk having a cast that's boring and doesn't have drama.
1: It's funny because I don't think season four lacked interesting people or drama. I just think season four existed in pods. Like, I never think of Adam C. being on the same show as Samira.
0: Yeah, I can see that.
1: It was like very clicky and different pockets of drama happened, but they never really came together as one cast.
0: I can see that. I also think some of the most interesting arcs and contestants and characters on season four are people who don't have terribly long stays. They're in the villa for two or three weeks. Even the main villain, Adam, he is not in the last, I don't know, third of the season.
1: Thankfully. And like Georgia and Josh, I don't think about them as as relating to Samira or Adam C. They're kind of in their own little drama lane.
0: So this guy then says that the producers ranked all of them. And how you know that is kind of unclear.
1: Oh, they could have been very open about it. Knowing they're being judged would encourage bigger personalities to get bigger and calmer ones to speak up. Part of Camilla's appeal is that she's quiet and mild-mannered, especially compared to what the clowns are usually like on this show.
0: Yeah, that is that is true. What does make sense is that they would yeah make notes of how different people interact with each other and who'd be good in the villa together, even if they're not in the villa on day one. I'd also believe that producers do start splitting them into groups. You know, the so-called bombshells, the Casa Amor people and so forth.
1: They definitely put the lower ranked people in Casa Amor for sure. There are always one or two TV uggos and three to four TV sixes. And these people are very good looking in real life. But on TV, like, sorry, some of them are uggos for TV.
0: So now, you know, Jess makes complete sense as the opening day bombshell in season three. Right. But she makes sense because the producers knew ahead of time that she was going to steal whoever Montana picked because of their history with each other.
1: Is that fair, though? I don't think Jess really had enough against Montana to purposely want to screw her over. Dom was a top-tier guy that season, right? There weren't that many awesome guys in the beginning. Everybody's racist against Marcel. Kem is short. Chris wasn't in yet. Dom was the best guy in the beginning. So I think it's incidental he was paired with Montana.
0: I actually think it's the opposite. I think that Jess was going to choose whoever Montana had picked. I think that the fact that it was Dom, was actually incidental. You know, where I think it gets unclear, you know, the producers didn't know that Dom was going to pick Montana at the initial coupling, and they probably didn't know if Dom was going to pick between Jess and Montana.
1: Yeah, really, though. Jess is arguably the hottest female Islander, and you can see him fall for her on their date. And that's when I forgave her for asking him because I was like, oh, this is in the bag. This is done. I would have been shocked if he didn't pick her at that recoupling.
0: Yeah, I'm going to guess that the producers did not know all of that, right? I don't think they expected Dom and Jess to get married and have kids. But I do think they knew they were going to create opening day drama by having Jess as the opening day bombshell. But the biggest moves that the producers have made in terms of putting people in the villa has involved exes, right? Oh, yeah. So in season one, producers brought Jordan's ex just for a few hours to confront him and throw him off his game.
1: Was she expected to stay or was she only brought in for an hour? I
0: don't know. I felt like she was only brought in to mess things up. We might have to go back and rewatch that episode.
1: Well, it was season one. So anything goes. I think they would have let her stay if she wanted to stay. And I think they let her go because she wanted to go. I don't think they knew what they were doing. I think they were just like, ha ha ha. What if we did this? Let's see what happens.
0: Yeah, I know. Season one is so fun like that, right? Doesn't season one when they actually, Josh brings a girl back. Yeah. Do do they bring two girls back to the villa? I'm trying to remember. And And then all of a sudden they're just two extra people at the villa and just what? (laughs)
1: Yeah, that was crazy. Season one was bananas. Yeah,
0: season one is so fun. Terrible people, some awful things, but it is just great television.
1: Unicorns, rainbows, one night stands that don't even get their stand.
0: Great television. So then in season two, we see Tom's ex, Emma. We've talked about her, right? She enters the villa and completely flips the group dynamics in a few days. Jack Fincham's ex shows up at Casa Amor in season four. Sending Danny spiraling, supposedly, anyway. But the first time they did it, they brought in Callie to couple up with Lewis in season one. You know, that was really different. They didn't bring in Callie to create drama at all. I'm actually guessing that in hindsight, the producers might regret this move. So it would have been much better for Lewis to leave than for the producers to bring in his ex. It ended up being pretty boring.
1: Yeah, the other cast members call them boring all the time. It's like not even a secret that they're boring.
0: Yeah, they only spent time with each other.
1: And they were super uptight and disapproving and judgy.
0: But, you know, I also, for the most part, understand why the producers did it. At that point, the show was still brand new. They weren't sure exactly what it was going to become. And they really only had one solid couple in John and Hannah. You know, I can see them bringing in Callie so they had a second solid couple. Otherwise, there really would not have been that much love on Love Island.
1: It's not called Hookup Island.
0: Right, exactly. I think they almost viewed uh, the show in a more real world sort of way. That the show was about these people, these specific people finding love. And they might have assumed that viewers wouldn't want too much turnover. There were hardly any recouplings all season.
1: There were only like four.
0: Yeah, I think so. Three or four. Not only did they bring in Callie, right? They also began another tradition on Love Island that has lasted to this day, bringing specific contestants into the villa with the intention of having them couple up with a specific Islander. I
1: just want to note on the real world thing, the original cast votes off most of the later arrivals. They themselves treated it like the real world. This is our house. Like, they did a really good job of being a unified group, even with all the drama. Six of the final eight are original Islanders.
0: Sure, yeah. You know, we had Travis and then later Ben brought in. Yeah, exactly. They were both brought in for Lauren in season one. Poor Lauren, by the way.
1: She broke up One Direction. She's fine. She is French sexy, like Francesca from season five is Italian sexy, and they're not the right vibe for the bulk of the contestants.
0: You know, what's important about Travis is that he clearly lied about his romantic interest in Lauren just so he could get on the show. Anyway, that's what I think. On the other end of the spectrum, we've got Jamie coming in at the end of season three to couple up with Camilla. They're still together and have a kid now.
1: Like we said, because they're awesome.
0: Yeah. So in between, though, we have these so-called hostages, right? They're basically forced by the producers to at least entertain a relationship with a certain islander for the purpose of the overall narrative. So, you know, Ellie and Dr. Alex in season four definitely comes to mind. But what about some other people whose entrances are a bit more unclear? Theo was clearly sent in to cause more trouble for Kevin Amber. I think Simon was too. But what about Tyla? Right? Why was she sent in? And how about the fairly forgettable new Laura from season four? Was she sent in to mess up both Laura New Jack's uh, relationship and also the Alex Alexandra relationship? Or just one of them? Or what?
1: Was the name Bureau running low?
0: <laughs> you mean uh, how they all have the same names? Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Old Laura, new Laura, old Jack, new Jack, and Alex and Alexandra. Come on!
0: Yeah, season four, it's like they just...
1: They just gave up.
0: They just gave up. I thought we could do another fun game so we can each pick a few random characters whose stays were maybe not memorable and try to come up with explanations as to why they were brought into the villa in the first place in an effort to answer the question... What were they thinking? Okay. Thanks for the theme music. So I'll, I'll go first. Of course time. you will. Yeah.
1: You usually well, you, went,
0: you went first last time. So uh, I think for my first one, I am going to go with the example I mentioned. Young Laura instead of new Laura. We'll call her younger Laura. Sorry. Yeah. Younger. Not, not older. No offense to older Laura. I am also in my 30s. At least at the time of this recording. tiktok Still in my 30s. I think that younger Laura was absolutely brought in to break up Flight Attendant Laura. Uh, There we go. Flight Attendant Laura and New Jack. That her name was also Laura was really just the icing on the cake. But I think Dr. Alex going for Surfer Laura caught the producers by surprise. And it really cut against the grain of the character they'd built all season, right? He was the guy who was looking for love, the noble he was, guy. He
1: was supposed to be the face.
0: Yeah, he was supposed to be a major hero of the season. So uh, knowing that viewers were not going to respond to this really well, they had to show the negative sides of Alex's personality and his behavior quickly. And for the first time, you know, we start to see Alex really a lot less sympathetically. And this becomes a big problem in the season four narrative arc. We lost one of the two chief protagonists, And it leaves us with a fairly unsatisfying ending to the Alex-Alexander story. You know, they're technically coupled up, but they clearly don't like each other. I'm going to guess that the producers would want that one back.
1: The only satisfying part was watching her family yell at him. I enjoyed that. But yeah, like I said before, I really hated the loss of Dr. Alex. I was really cheering for him. He was terrible at talking to women. And at first it was sympathetic but then it just became pathetic he did not grow at all and that's a bummer because he had a lot of potential so one of my biggest whys is the alberti stronzo twins from season one these guys were proud unabashed douche canoes like ha 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 the jess storyline was actually very entertaining even if it did unfairly haunt her the rest of the season maybe she should have told the truth Right? They lasted three days and I can't think of a single other thing they did. Everyone hated them and they were gone. So why? Why, 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 why would they be brought back toward the end when they were trying to get laws paired off? They were the worst. She was the best. Why did they think it was fair to ruin two-fifths of her chance of finding someone worthy? Right? They brought five guys in for them to speed date and two of them were those chuckleheads. Right? Right?
0: Yeah, that was, I felt really bad for her for that. That was just, that was awful.
1: So speaking of bringing people back, why did they bring Sam back on season three? He had a long run. He was coupled with four different women and he was hot and heavy with two of them. He was hot and heavy with Olivia and with Montana. And he made a lasting impression on none of them. He gave me the ick through the screen. And I think he gave those other girls the ick too. I just didn't understand why he needed to come back. He had run his course. You know, bringing Mike back, muggy or not, was a brilliant idea that didn't work out. His first stint was short but memorable, and the rumors about him and Jess in the interim were scandalous and made for great TV, with my apologies to Dom for enjoying that. He did seem changed during his return, and as a result, it was totally boring.
0: Yeah, so I would say first on the Sam thing and bringing him back, if I had to guess, it would be because they thought that maybe Montana was not really that into Alex, that she maybe was physically attracted to him, but maybe would leave him for Sam.
1: She had the ick from him, too. He was a bad kisser. Ooh, just thinking back on it. Ooh.
0: Yeah, and they also thought he was kind of aggressive. I don't know. That That's just my guess, what they were thinking. But also, yeah, just to give the... Public, the option to bring him in was a weird choice because it was the public's choice to bring him back, ultimately. Anyway, my next pick is Wallace from season six. Who? Yeah, his stay in the villa is fairly brief. Uh, He gets dumped by his fellow islanders about a week into his stay. I've read that people think he got a tough break and wasn't really given a chance, and I would bet that the producers agree. I think he was brought in to try and turn Paige's head because he's Scottish. So his first dates were with Shaunice, Paige, and Sophie in that order, and really none of them go all that well. He really ends up being a dud, and producers weren't able to take advantage of Paige's insecurity like they thought they might be able to. She makes it fairly clear that she's happy with Finn, and really that's that.
1: He was boring. I don't remember a single thing about him besides his hair. Maybe he wasn't given a fair crack, but he wasn't good looking enough to be that boring and stick around.
0: I agree with that. Here's another one. I'm going to break my own rules a little bit here and go with someone who actually is memorable. Just because I want to talk about it. Late in season five, I think Greg was actually brought in to push Amber back to Michael and not to break them up. You know, the best stories in Love Island have all involved on again, off again drama, even going back to John and Hannah who, while they were never really off, certainly had their share of ups and downs. You've got the Max and Jess story in season one, Tom and Sophie in season two, and Kevin and Amber in season three. Sam and George are kind of a low-rent season four version. The Michael Amber drama in season five was clearly the best opportunity to captivate viewers that season, and the producers would have been foolish if they weren't trying to end the season in some sort of redemption arc for Michael. What better way to do that than to bring in someone who would fawn all over Amber and be attractive to her while not being her type on paper? Knowing Amber to that point in the season, you know, you'd actually expect her to go back to Michael.
1: I want to say that she should have, but I think that's the viewer in me, not the concerned adult. Michael was a baby eater. Baby eater? Yeah, I didn't make that term up. I have a hazy memory of some drunk blonde girl telling me, but I have no idea who that was or when. It's basically a grade A fuckboy, but that word wasn't around when I was a youth.
0: Okay. So anyway, I think it almost happened. I think they almost did get back together, but the producers didn't count on the other islanders putting their fingers on the scales so heavily. The women of the villa reinforced the growth that Amber had made since Casa Amor, and instead of the Kem and Amber arc, we ended up with something that was more like a combination of Jess from season one and Laura from season four. More of a hero's journey than a love story for Amber, who probably would have won no matter who she was coupled up with.
1: Yeah, that was a solo victory, for sure.
0: Yeah, there are two solo victories in Love Island history, Jess and Amber, right?
1: I think Max... And Greg weren't unlikable. No. Yeah, Jess and Amber would have won regardless of who they were with unless the guy was so despicable. I mean, Greg was a good guy. Max redeemed himself, much to his own surprise. I think Max was fully committed to being a dick and then he was like, wait a minute, I have a conscience. What does that feel like? Let's try it.
0: Yeah, he did seem to grow a little bit as the season went on. I agree.
1: Max was every hot cousin at your friend's bar mitzvah.
0: I thought you used to Al as the bar mitzvah guy. No, he's no. the Israeli uh, cousin. Yes. No,
1: Al is the hot Israeli camp counselor. Oh,
0: Israeli camp counselor. Yeah,
1: yes. they teach like soccer or I don't know some other sport, and they are basically are they like sleep with all the female counselors and. Gross. Yeah, not that I know that guy. I hope not. No, definitely not. But that guy exists.
0: This episode of Little Bit Leave It is brought to you by Diplo Dots. Do you remember where you were the first time you heard Paper Planes by M.I.A.? Of course you do. Just like you remember what you were drinking the first time you heard the DJ spin Pondi Floor at your favorite club. Just like you remember the smell of the sticky floors in the ladies' room as you vomited into a toilet while Lil Wayne's effortless flow on Look At Me Now rang through busted speakers. Now you can relive those visceral moments and more with Diplo Dots, the ice cream of the recent past. From the passage of the Affordable Care Act to the landmark 5-4 decision in Obergefell v. Hodges, the period between 2010 and 2015 gave us so many reasons to celebrate. And through it all, Diplo was there to provide the soundtrack. At the time, we had no idea that these moments would be the last time we trust in the stability of our shared reality, blissfully unaware of the nightmares that lay just around the corner. Recapture that sweet innocence with flavors such as red velvet, rainbow cronut, and salted caramel MDMA. Diplodots, the ice cream of the recent past.